Resurrection Assembly of God. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Well, church, Pastor Joseph was supposed to preach this sermon today, and he wrote it, but I made some edits, and I will deliver it. I'm telling you this not to uh, divest myself of responsibility for Pastor Joseph's words or exactly to give credit to Pastor Joseph, though I do. I tell you this because we make an incredible claim as pastors that we are standing up here speaking for God, though we are not special though we are fallible. And these moments when one or the other pastor here has to take up where one has left off, because it's happened to both of us on more than one occasion, it's not hard for us to pick up because though we do labor over the words in prayer, in study, in thought, and in love, the words were never really ours. That is the incredible, audacious claim we make. That the same spirit who spoke through the prophets speaks through the scriptures and through the church today. I had the time to give my own spin on today's scriptures, but it's not about me. It's also not about Pastor Joseph. It's about what God is speaking to his church today. And so with full confidence, I believe these words, as insufficient and imperfect as words can be, in contrast to the perfect God, I do believe these words are not Joseph's, they're not my own, but they are God speaking through his people to his people once more. So, we're in the fourth week of Advent. Christmas is just one week from today. As we've been preaching over the last several weeks, Advent is a word that just means appearing or arrival. It is the time when we relive the anticipation of the Old Testament saints who looked forward to, who were excited about the day when God would visit his people and make all things right. Again, as we've been saying, it isn't just a time to relive the Old Testament. Advent is also a time for us to reignite our anticipation of Christ's second coming. Jesus is coming, church. He's coming again. The arrival and joy and comfort and happiness that we should and do associate with Christmas morning is practice for the day when our God will once again appear and make all things right. Amen? That's why we make our prayer what we read in Psalm 80 this morning. Restore us, O God. Let your face shine that we may be saved. We've had a theme for this Advent year. That theme is divine hospitality. 
So today, let's read from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1, starting in verse 18. I have two Bibles up here. Double prepared. The rocks cry out along with our kids. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to make Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins." All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, speak to your church and help us to listen. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We don't ever try to be subtle in what we say from this pulpit. And today, more than ever, I don't want to be subtle. This event that we just read about, that Jesus was born of a virgin named Mary. This was and is the great act of divine hospitality. God, maker of heaven and earth, came to dwell with us. God, who is bigger than we can possibly think or imagine, humbled himself to a tiny embryo dependent on the hospitality of a woman's womb. He came to dwell with us in our likeness and in our dependence so that he could show us kindness. He came to live with us so that he could show us love. He became one of us to show us salvation. It's hard to get at the depth of this incredible act on God's part. God is creator. We are are creatures. And the claim that we make when we say that Jesus Christ became incarnate, that is, that he took on flesh, is to say that creator made himself a creature that he might truly be with us. God who made everything became a thing that he created. That's an incredible claim. 
And if you don't grasp just how incredible that is, let me just say that we have to maintain a creator-creature distinction when we talk about God. God is not one in a group of items. God is not an item. God is the ground for which all items exist. We can take a risk and try to come up with an analogy. As long as we're clear, it is an analogy and it's imperfect. So, imagine this with me. You have a number of pet cats. Or, if you don't like cats or are allergic, like the First Lady Holly, then imagine whatever animal you might have as a pet. Maybe it's frogs. Maybe it's pet rats. Who knows? But let's go with cats for the sake of this somewhat absurd analogy. Imagine you have cats and there's something coming to ruin their lives, to make them sick, to rob them of the safe home you've provided them with, and eventually kill them. And you decide that since they cannot fully comprehend you, you'll become a cat to save them. This is ridiculous. And not only will you become a cat, but you will remain a human while you are also a cat. Fully cat, yet fully human. That is completely absurd. Humans and cats are not the same creatures. How can one become the other while also remaining what they already are? How much more insane is it that God became a human. But let's stick with this for a minute. You become a cat to save your cats. And in becoming a cat, you have to do cat things. You have to eat cat food. Yeah. You have to use the litter box. You have to cough up hairballs and catch mice and be treated not like a human, but you're treated like a cat. That's pretty unpleasant. <laughs> and if cats could contemplate it, they would probably think, whoa, it's like really kind meow of you to become one of us, meow meow. And indeed, it's a kind of hospitality, a kindness. A love that one would not think cats, who literally lick themselves clean, would be deserving of. God did something greater than that for us, though. Cats and humans are incompatible, but cats and humans are still both creatures. And when we're talking about what God did for us, we're talking about creator becoming a creature. We're closer to the cats than we are to God. And yet God became one of us. I hope this sinks deep into your heart. The depth of love it took for God to show this hospitality to his creation. God is love after all. Let's not forget that. So let's say a few more things about this hospitality that God has shown us. 
This hospitality is incredible, unprecedented, and by some account, impossible. But let's say this. It was incredible, unprecedented, and impossible, something we would not have predicted that the creator of all things would do, and yet it was the plan all along. God had planned all along to do this. And his preparation for it began many, many centuries. We could even say millennia before an angel appeared to Mary and the Holy Spirit overshadowed her. Paul talks about this in the Romans passage we read this morning. He talks about how God promised beforehand through the prophets in the Holy Scriptures. The Old Testament prophets looked forward to the day when God would send his son, who was descended from the great Old Testament King David. And he would prove who God really was and show God's love for us by raising his son from the dead. And we read from Isaiah this morning, who was an Old Testament prophet, saying just this, that God's plan was for a virgin to bear a son and name him Emmanuel, which means God with us. That's the passage that Matthew quotes as evidence, not only that Mary's conception was true, but that Joseph should take her as his wife. This was God's plan from long ago and all along. He was making plans for centuries, millennia, to come to our house and show us some hospitality. So God's hospitality is incredible, but was planned all along. Finally, before I say about a few things, what this all means for us, I want to note the nature, the character of God's hospitality. I've already said it, but let's be clear about what the passage we read says. Jesus' name, according to prophet Isaiah, would be Emmanuel, which means God with us. The name signifies divine hospitality because what is hospitality but to be with someone, to sit with them, to dine with them, to enjoy their company for their own sake. To be with someone is not to instrumentalize the relationship. You don't have to have ulterior, ulterior motives when you just want to be with someone. You don't always have to have a stated purpose. Sometimes it's just nice to hang out. Sometimes you don't even need to talk. It's just nice to sit in silence with one another. This is what God did for us in Jesus Christ. He's with us for our own sake. He's with us when everything is just fine. And he's with us when it's not. God is not with us so that he can get something out of us. But he nevertheless does have ulterior motives. He wants to do wonderful things for us. He wants to do the ultimate wonderful thing for us. God is with us, and he wants to save us. 
This is also in our passage. The angel tells Joseph in the dream that the child's name would be Jesus because he would save his people from their sins. That is what the name Jesus means, by the way. It means God saves. It's actually the Greek version of the Hebrew name Joshua. And Joshua comes from the Hebrew for God saves. Anyway, the hospitality that God showed us is that he came to our house. He came to the world we live in. And he showed us hospitality in our own home. And that hospitality will ultimately save us, save our home, save all things, so that God can be with us forever. He is Jesus. He is Emmanuel. Amen. So let me conclude with some words to us this Advent season. First, let me say that it is worth our every effort to contemplate what God has done in Jesus Christ by sending his only son to be incarnate of the Virgin Mary. Put some effort into thinking about how there's no amount of mental effort that can really reveal what it means for God to become man. If thinking about yourself becoming a cat helps in this respect, do it. But only to the extent that your heart is set on fire with the love of God. And let's talk a little more about hospitality, both for us as a church and us as individuals. A couple of weeks ago, Pastor Joseph talked about how he really believes that God wants our church to grow. Not for its own sake, but so that those who need the good news and community in Christ can hear it and have it. We believe that God is here with us now. We believe Jesus is here by his spirit, ready to welcome people with his divine hospitality. Every Sunday can be Christmas here at Resurrection, where God makes an appearance to be with us and for us as our Savior. There's something, of course, to be said about us showing hospitality to God. Mary did, in fact, welcome Jesus into her own body. But God's hospitality always comes to us first, even when we think it doesn't. We love God because he first loved us. There is no other way around. God has been here at Resurrection Assembly of God, and we might think of this as a place where we welcome him, but as soon as God shows up, we realize that God is actually welcoming us here. And he wants to do this for everyone in our neighborhood, and everyone in our city, and everyone at the University of Iowa. There is a church this is a church where God will send people who need to know that someone knows them by name. And not just someone, but that God himself knows them by name. He may send the curious and those in intellectual, existential, and spiritual crisis to find truth 
in depth and complexity, but also in the simplicity of love. We are pastors believe that God has had a plan to fill the seats of Resurrection Assembly of God for a very long time. Centuries, probably. Maybe millennia. But I don't even believe that God is waiting to show hospitality to people until they come to church. Right now, God is going into people's homes in Iowa City. People who are not in tune with God's plan for their lives or for the world. Like Joseph in this story, who didn't know that Mary's pregnancy was from the Holy Spirit, there are people who have already divorced themselves from the church or are preparing to do so. And yet, in his hospitality, in his love, God is sending his angels to them in the night. He's speaking to them in the dreams at 3 o'clock in the morning. And he is saying, I am the God who is with you, even though you're unsure about me. I'm the God who will save you, even though you aren't yet convinced you need saving. God has been planning on showing them this hospitality at least since the days of Isaiah the prophet. Certainly since Jesus became incarnate of the Virgin Mary. He's been planning on directing them here, where we will show them the same hospitality that God has shown us. Jesse, get the kids. One last word for you here today. I want each and every one of us who is here to remember that God is with us. God is with you. He is our Savior. He is our Savior because he is with us. He's with us when we're sick and suffering when we're in pain or confused or sad or bored or feeling quite normal, God is always with us. He's in your house. And when you don't even think about the fact that he is there, he is there showing you love. And he wants you to notice. He knows it's your house. He's going to treat you like you're his guest in your own home. You don't have to totally get it. If you miss something, don't worry. God will send an angel to inform you about, about what you need to know, even in your dreams at night. And he's been planning since the foundation of the world to be with you in the most random moment of your day perhaps watching your cat lick its toes. So, receive his hospitality. Let's say with our hearts and our mouths, restore us, O God. Let your face shine that we may be saved. Amen.